I've got one last announcement after service. I need a couple guys to help me get my tractor out of the ditch. Of all the places to get stuck, right in front of the church. I said, I can make it. I'm going to make it in that tight spot. And I made it through. Didn't make it out. So, please help me with that. Uh, One of the reasons people get uh, really excited about actors that they like and follow actors that they like and sometimes stalk actors that they like is because they confuse the people that they play on the screen with the people they really are. They, they get kind of mixed up and they think that that wonderful good man is a, uh, that they see on, the, on that movie screen is that same person if they ever see that actor in real life. Uh, uh, or, or oftentimes somebody appears to be a, a wonderful family man on a show and, and then you find out a little bit later that maybe he's just a, a, a terrible person running around on his family. And people get kind of disappointed when they, they meet their favorite actors. Kind of like never meet your hero. You, you might not ever want to meet your favorite actor because their actors are, are real people and they've got their own real personalities and they're often very different from the idealized ones that get put on Hollywood screens. For example, my favorite actor probably cannot fly a spaceship. He did not fight in World War II. He did not serve in Vietnam with Lieutenant Dan. He was never a castaway on a desert island. He didn't survive with a volleyball named Wilson. He never turned into an adult when he was a teenager after playing a a carnival game. Uh, The person that he's played in movies is probably way cooler than him in real life, and I think I would be very disappointed if I ever got to know him, got to meet him, and find out he was just, you know, a regular guy. Well, we all kind of have a similar problem to that. Don't giggle at my slurping. (laughs) I've been running on caffeine and adrenaline for a week. I can slurp a little bit. See, oftentimes the version of ourselves that we present to the world is not the real us. Oftentimes the version of ourselves that comes to church, the version of ourselves that goes to our, our kids' schools and our kids' games is not the real us. And sometimes that's a good thing, right? I mean, uh, we don't need to be completely real with everybody we meet all the time. We, we should have a, a public persona, something that keeps a professional distance sometimes. But, but a lot of times it can be actually uh, very harmful to our lives. And there's two instances or two people, I guess I should say, that I want to challenge you today to always be real with. Two people in life we need to be painfully real with at all times. And we're going to look in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 8, and we're going to see Jesus confront a group of people who weren't being real. And there's these two people that we're going to need to see from this text who we need to be real with all the time. So Mark chapter 7, and we'll start with verses 1 to 8. We'll go all the way to 14. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 8. I'll read 1 to 8, and then we'll just break it down. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed, hands. 
For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles and dining couches. So the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonial unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. So all throughout Mark, we're going to see this kind of replay. The Pharisees and the scribes, they're always out to get Jesus. They're looking for a flaw. They're looking for a chink in his armor. And this, this is where they land today. They have a large set of traditions, traditions that they keep and that they think are very important. They wouldn't say that these traditions are from the Bible, but they would say that these traditions have grown up, and this is a way that they honor God because of what they believe in the Bible. So they weren't saying that they had, they, they were able to say, yeah, it, it definitely says wash your hands every time you come home from the marketplace. But they would look at texts and they would say things like, uh, you know, when, you, when you're around certain people or you're in a certain situation, uh, they're sinful people and you're my holy people. And so they would take that and say, well, I must become unclean whenever I'm at the marketplace around maybe Gentiles have been there or other sinners have been there, right? Gentiles were the people. They weren't the Jews. They were, they were the other. They were the uh, people that God didn't go to. And, and, and so they said, when I'm around those people, I kind of become like them. And I need to come home and I need to wash my hands. I need to make sure that I'm ceremonially or, or, or spiritually or religiously clean. And every time they would... Uh, uh, break out a meal, they would wash their hands. It wasn't, it wasn't hygiene. It was purely these traditions that have been built up and become so important to them that they forced people to do it. And I have a lot of things that I do that are just kind of my personal tradition, okay? Uh, when, when I pray, I take my hat off. There's not a scripture for that. There's not, there's not a chapter and verse in that. All right, when I worship, I take my hat off if I have my hat on. All right, there, there are certain things that I do that I do for myself and my own religious experience, experience, my spiritual experience, that I don't put on you, all right? Because I grew up in a, in a a time and a place where uh, we were kind of breaking out of a lot of things that were not from Scripture but were baked into tradition and just didn't make sense and were pushing people away from the church. I'll give you an example. When I went to youth camp when I was in high school, uh, at first we couldn't bring uh, playing cards. Right? We couldn't bring playing cards because you might be playing poker and then you might be sinning or something, not being a good steward or something. I didn't have any money to lose at that time, so I didn't, I didn't get it. But as we kind of grew into it, people, people were kind of like at the camp, they said, uh, well, okay, we know that there's no chapter and verse for this, so they can bring cards. But then they made this rule, but they can't be face cards. They never told us why, but that made them feel more comfortable. It made them not totally break away from their tradition that had been built up. So we had to uh, play, play cards with weird-looking cards that didn't have, like, jacks and queens and king faces on them, right? It didn't make sense, and that's usually what happens 
when something has become a tradition that's not from Scripture. It's usually, there's a couple things about it. It's, it, it's in isolated pockets of places, so it's not something all Christians everywhere have always believed. And they usually have kind of weird sub-rules around it. I'll give you another one. Um, when I was in, uh, in church growing up, I wanted so bad to have a set of drums and uh, a guitar that would plug in and maybe turn the music up just a notch, right? Uh, but we had hymns. That's what we did. We had hymnals. And, and almost everybody would have been okay with a little bit more strumming or a little bit more plugged in. But, but there were some folks that just said, you know what? It's just not comfortable. And they couldn't, they couldn't tell me from the Bible why that was the case. But it, it just didn't make them feel comfortable. And so, and so we just didn't, we didn't go that way. And I knew friends that didn't come back to church because of that. You know? And you say you shouldn't come to church for the music. Well, I don't think you should push people out of the church because of the music either. I, I, that's my feeling. And so I have people that never came back, and, and I don't know where they are now, uh, because people aren't comfortable going out of their traditions that have been built up. That's what's happening here. Jesus and his disciples come in, and they eat, and every, almost every time in the Bible they eat, they, they break the bread, they give thanks to God, right? They, they're doing everything that God requires spiritually, and that, that shows that their hearts are in the right place. But they didn't do the ceremony part. They didn't do the tradition part. So they call him on the carpet, and Jesus said, right out, right out of the bat, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. Let me tell you, Jesus is about as blunt a guy as you'll meet. We're going to see a little bit later. Uh, he's he's going to just toast these guys uh, for, for not being real with God. And that's the first thing I want to convince you of today is that if you're not real with anybody else in this world, be real with God. See, God knew the Pharisees' hearts. God knew Jesus' heart. God knew, God knew the disciples' hearts. All right? You don't have to wash your hands to show God that you're clean. You, you don't have to lift your hands in worship to show God you really love him. You don't have to wear a certain style of dress to show God that you honor and respect him. God sees your heart. So if you're not being real with God, you're really only fooling yourself. Okay, because God knows exactly what's going on in your mind and your heart and your emotions and your will. Don't try to fake it with God. Don't try to put on a show for God. You can come to church every Sunday and you can have me fooled. I'm the most gullible person in the world. Anybody in here can fool me, okay? But God can see through all of that. Be real with God. Jesus says, uh, Isaiah prophesied about people like you. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. So first thing is, they're physically honoring God, so they think, so they claim. But God sees their heart, and it's not about God, it's not about honor, it's not about worship, it's actually about them, getting what they want, feeling comfortable, enjoying their kind of church. That's what they're about, and God sees that, and he rejects it. Don't even try. Second, they teach 
as doctrines, human commands. Uh, doctrines are those great teachings of Scripture, those things that change your life, those things upon which we build our, our, our faith, like Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That is a doctrine that we hold to and we, we, we will die for, right? That Jesus Christ is one with the Father. These things that will, that will literally change your life and help you grow deeper to God, the more, deeper uh, in a relationship with God, the more you understand them. But they were teaching human commands. There's a reason I don't get up here every other week and say, I have 10 steps to be more successful at work. I have three simple ways for you to find the love of your life. Or I have just five ways to be a happier person every day. I can do that. There's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of preachers who do that. And they'll even read some Bible and, and then they'll talk and they get very popular very quickly. But you know what? Those are man's teaching. I want to teach, you know, I'd love for you to be successful and popular and find the love of your life. But I'm not going to waste my time here doing that stuff when I have the word of God to, that, that actually changes hearts to deliver to you. So when you come to church or you go to another church, don't be fooled by the people who say things that sound good, look for if they are telling you, they're opening up the scriptures and they're speaking things about the word of God that makes sense. Be real when you come to church. Be real with God. When, I'm a, uh, when I tell people that I'm a pastor, there's about four or five responses that I, I generally get. Uh, a couple of them, uh, awkward silence is the most common. Uh, they don't know how to handle that. Uh, that's actually my favorite because I can direct the conversation where I want. Uh, but then some people, and this is fun, uh, some people will hear that and then they'll, they'll kind of give me like their spiritual resume, like the, a list of accomplishments that they do. And they'll just start talking about, how, man, they always go to church and last summer they gave to the youth fund and they listened to so-and-so on the radio and they always thought so-and-so on TV. And I asked them, well, when have you been to church late, uh, last? Well, I always listened to so-and-so on the radio and I gave last. And they've got all these things that they say and it doesn't take long to see that these folks are actually deceiving themselves because they've tried so hard to deceive others and deceive God by, by, by appearing to be spiritual when they're not. And that's the second thing I want to uh, convince you of. You see, we have to be honest with God. We have to be real with God. God wants us to be genuine, and that starts by acknowledging our own sin to ourselves. So be real with God. And I want you to be real with yourself. The Pharisees were not real with themselves. Look at verses 9 to uh, four, uh, 13. Excuse me. He also said to them, You have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother, Whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God. You are no longer, uh, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many similar things. So Jesus is actually giving them an example. First he says, you're hypocrites, you honor God with your lips, but not with your heart. And here's an example. And he brings up this tradition that had kind of worked its way into life. And let me just try to explain it as simply as I can. Uh, that folks, uh, maybe, maybe you have a mom or a dad who's getting closer to old age. Now, when you were the firstborn son, you typically inherited uh, a certain portion of the land, the largest portion of the land. And that would be yours. And you would make money off of that. And eventually you would sell 
sell that, and you would always have that, and that would be passed down to your children. Well, if, uh, if maybe your mom or dad wanted to use part of that land for their benefit, or, or if they felt that they had to sell some of that off, and, and it was kind of technically yours, or, or maybe they wanted to profit off that in some way, they would, they would really have to go to you, and, and, and you would be obligated as a good son to care for your mom and dad using the proceeds from that land or, or some other such source, source of wealth. So I want to picture that in, uh, uh, but, but what you might say, what people kind of got into saying is, dad, mom, I, I would love for you to benefit off of this, but I've made a promise to God. I've made a promise to God that this land is going to go to him once I'm dead. And so I can't, you know, I really need to keep this. And then they would use that for their profit. So imagine today if your mom or dad maybe, you know, hope they never have to go into a nursing home. Maybe they have to go into a nursing home or they need long-term care or or something. And and you're in a place to provide that for them. And and you say, well, you know, my whole bank account when I die is going to go to the church. And so I really don't want to drain it because you don't want to take away from the church. It sounds like an evil thing, doesn't it? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I have to convince you that this is bad. And this is something that kind of grew up and became a tradition. It was a way of people to weasel out of their responsibility to their mom and dad. And a couple of things, when we're not being real about our own sin, it's pretty obvious to others how how far in rebellion to Scripture we've gone. Look at what Jesus says uh, in verse 10. He just quotes the Bible. Honor your father and your mother. He actually takes two, uh, two, two kind of Scriptures and weaves them together. Whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put, put, to, put to death. That's the standard. It's simple. It's pretty obvious, and it, it, it's kind of clear that these folks have strayed that way. The law was to honor their mom and dad, but they were really only caring about themselves. And guess what they did again? They hid it in a spiritual language. Oh, I have to give this to God. I have to devote this to him. We often conceal our sin in spiritual clothing or fake spiritual clothing. We very often will hide our sin from ourselves by giving it a spiritual excuse. I wonder if you've ever heard of this. One, one lady goes to another lady, and one man goes to another man and says, see that person over there, that little girl? Pray for her, brother. You know, she got pregnant, she's not married. And then they proceed to tell this whole young girl's story and shame her under the guise of needing prayer. Or I'm so worried about the church. I'm so worried of the direction that the church is going. I need to tell you all the terrible things about this deacon that is in the church. Because I want to protect the church. You need to honor and respect God. And the way you do that is by dressing the way I say you should dress told you this story before, but a wonderful godly man back home who insisted we wear a you know, certain tie and a certain time, but then he came down walking during the Lord's Supper once in, in, in like these white tennis shoes, these sneakers, and I thought to myself, that's not honoring to the Lord, and I said, oh, I did it too. Like, it's so easy to fall into that, right? We want to we we say we're honoring God, but we're putting it all in physical things. Uh, music should sound sacred, not like a concert. I don't need to go to church. I'll just watch it on the television and worship God by myself. 
I hear this one a lot, two months, in fact. We don't need to get married. We've made a spiritual commitment to one another, and God knows that. And so we can, we can live together, and, and, and we can pretend like we're married, and we don't have to go through with it, because really God knows our spiritual commitment. We have the capacity to deceive ourselves like nothing you would ever imagine. And so if you're going to be real with God, the second thing you got to make sure is that you are real with yourself. You have to parse and, 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 and slice those motivations and desires and decisions that are in our own heart, our own mind, so precisely to see why am I doing the things I'm doing and can I convince myself that I'm honoring God when really my heart is far from him. Because one day, we are going to face our creator. We're going to be face-to-face with God and see him in all of his holiness, and you won't even have the breath to utter an excuse. You won't even have the the amount of, of capacity, the wherewithal that it takes to say, God, I gave at church. I made it every Sunday. I was in Sunday school. I, I took my kids and dropped them off at Wednesday nights. I, you won't even have the ability because when you see God in his holiness, you will be confronted with your sin and you will know that there is no excuse. There is no way you can twist out of it. There's either righteousness that is in Jesus Christ or there is sin and there is utter separation from God. Those are the two options. And if you can't be real with yourself, you'll never get to the point where you'll say, God, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I have strayed. I have fallen. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I need someone to save me. And that's why we have this table. That's why we do this. That's what this is all about. When Jesus came down to earth to live a perfect life, die on the cross, be buried, and rise again. He didn't do it to make you feel better or, or to give you hope or to give you five keys to success. He did it to save you because we are all utterly sinful and desperately in need of a Savior. So the first thing you need to do today is to be real with God, to be real with yourself about your sin and confess, God, I need a Savior.